I think a lot of kids growing up, maybe some of you, I know it was me, when we grow up, we dream about different kind of professions. And one of the professions that maybe particularly most boys dream about, but girls could also, that a lot of kids dream about, is they want to be a police officer. They want to be a cop. They think it would be awesome to drive fast, right, with the lights wailing, you know, um, lights flashing, drive fast, pull people over, then sometimes get to the scene of the crime when the crime is being committed, it's in progress, and I don't know about you, but as a boy, I always wanted to be the hero. And you bust in and you tackle the bad guy, you know, and you slap the cuffs on him. You know, that sounds great. Anybody ever watch like cop shows? We watch a lot of them, you know. Um, and, you know, they just, being, the, being the hero. Being the guy who shows up and, and, and takes care of the bad guy and puts the cuffs on him. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of in our, in our nature to be that way. And the climax of that dream of that is really taking down the bad guy and putting the handcuffs on him. It's taking the handcuffs and, and <laughs> slapping the handcuffs on the guy and say, you're, you're mine now. No more, no more bad guy stuff for you. Um, I've got you under control. And what we learn is, once you put these bracelets on the person, once you put the handcuffs on them, um, it's pretty much over, isn't it? Pretty much the fighting's over. Once their hands are behind their back, their fighting's over, and there's not a lot a person can do anymore once they're, they're handcuffed. Hands behind their back. It really limits you. Well, believe it or not, the section of scripture that we're going to look at today has a lot to do with handcuffs. It's a lot to do with, with being handcuffs. Not literal handcuffs, not, not metal handcuffs, not ones that cops carry with them, but spiritual handcuffs. The handcuffs that Satan brings into our lives to limit us and to restrict us from becoming what God wants us to become and to keep us from doing what God has intended for you and me to do from the creation of the world. Scripture says we were saved by grace to do good works. But Satan loves to come and handcuff us in a way that keeps us because we're limited when our hands are behind our back, aren't we? Just like a criminal by the police. And what the scriptures that we're going to look at today is going to show us is that Jesus loves to break handcuffs. He loves to break handcuffs. He loves to break restrictions off of us that Satan has bound us with because Jesus loves to set people free. We're going to find that out today. Grab your Bible with me. Turn to the Gospel of Mark. If you're visiting, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark section by section, and we're in a section 5 today, chapter 5 today. We're going to come to a story of, of Jesus breaking handcuffs in a person's life. Chapter 5, we're going to read the, a, a big story, 20 verses, starting in, chap, starting in verse 1 of chapter 5. You there? Matthew, Mark 5, verse 1. It says, And they came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. And when they got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And him is Jesus. And his disciples are with him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, this man that met them. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains that had been, been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. 
Let me take a break here. People ever tell you the Bible's boring? You know, I've heard people say, well, I would read that old book, it's boring. This is the most unboring book on the planet. He finds this man, constantly night and day, screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, gashing himself with stones, verse 6. And seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and he bowed down before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? He said, I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on a mountain. And the demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine, so we may enter them. And Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. And their herdsmen ran away and reported it to the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him, and he did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your people. And report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Can you picture this scene? Can you imagine this scene in your mind? I don't know about you, but I try to do that. Try to see what would it have looked like. Picture this scene, this man, this dirty naked man covered in cuts. It says he's been gashing himself with rocks. He's got sores covering his body. He's bleeding. He's probably drooling. And he comes running up to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be a little bit freaked out if that happened. But the thing I love about Jesus is he wasn't scared in the slightest bit. Not the slightest bit shaken. Jesus simply sees him, addresses a situation... And simply casts the demon out. It says, this whole legion of them. He says, get out of the man. And he shattered the spiritual handcuffs that had held that man in bondage. Isn't it amazing to see that that, that one man was so bound, so tormented, that his tormentors could cause thousands of pigs to go crazy and be drowned in the sea. What we see about this man is this man was in major bondage, in in major torment. This poor man was in the ultimate agony of spiritual torture. Now the scripture doesn't tell us how he got there. We don't know what he may have done to open the door to this, or if he did anything at all to open the door to this. We don't know how he ended up in this condition. We just find this man who's living among the tombs, gripped and controlled by the forces of Satan. Now there's all kinds of things that we could learn by looking at this story together. 
There's all wonderful sermons we could talk about. We could talk about the reality of demonic activity. And friends, Satan is just as real today as he was then. And demonic activity is just as real today as it was then. We could talk about the reality of of possession and and deliverance in lives, and, and people still need that. But what I want to look at today from this story are some of the things that this story reveals to us that can be freeing and life-changing, can be handcuff-breaking for you and me. So let's start by looking at a sad reality that this story paints, a sad truth that this story tells, and it's this. It's the reality that bound lives are real, and that bound lives are a tragedy. It's a reality that, that, bound, that, that people are bound in spiritual bonds and it's real and it's horrible. In this man's case, this man, it says, is demon-possessed. The ultimate form of spiritual imprisonment. A situation where one's will and self-control have been given over and controlled completely by demonic forces. I want to tell you something, church. That's not just something from Bible days and it's not just something from made-for-TV movies. It's real. I've seen people in this condition numbers of times. I remember a situation where Suzanne and I worked in a street mission and we were ministering there and I, I encountered a man I didn't know before and I was talking to him and about, about just life and reality, the kind of things I did in the street mission all the time. And we sat down together and, and I began to share with him and talk to him about life and, and I did what I always do, eventually got the thing to where I wanted to go to talk to him about a relationship with Jesus. And I began to talk to him about, about his need for Christ and it was obvious that, that it was getting through to him. And after quite a while of talking, I finally said to this young man, I said, do you want to receive Christ in your life? And we're literally sitting this far apart, chair to chair. Would you like to receive Christ in your life? And he looked at me and he said, yes. And without a blink of an eye, his head snapped and a voice came out and said, no. And I freaked me out. I'm like, what? And I said, would you like to receive Christ? And he looked at me and said, yes. And all of a sudden, no. This voice came out of him. Well, it didn't take more than twice to figure out that there was something wrong. That this man had, was controlled. He was, he was possessed by Satan. And, and for a couple minutes just talking to him, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And, and I just said, I'm going to pray for you. And I just reached over and I laid my hand on him and I prayed and I said, in Jesus' name, God, set this man free. And it left. Couldn't see it. There was no great thing. He didn't fall on the floor and rile around. You know, he just, It just left and all of a sudden he was free. And he starts talking about how it's gone. It's gone. And I said, would you like to receive Jesus? And he said, yes. And I prayed with that man to accept Christ. And he received Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Friends, possession is the ultimate form of demonic bondage. And I think we get that. But I want us to understand something today. And it's this. That Satan holds many people in bondage who are not possessed. That Satan holds a lot of people in bondage. In essence, he has handcuffs on them. And he's keeping them from being and doing what God intended them to be and to do. You see, understand something from Scripture, friends. It says that Satan and demons are always at work around us in the spiritual realm. The book of Ephesians says this. It says, For we struggle not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Scripture tells us that evil spiritual forces are at work to handcuff people with sin and deception and to keep them from finding freedom in Christ. I want you to think about something today. Who or what do you think is behind the control of false world religions that hold literally billions of people in their grasp and keep them from finding freedom in Christ? It's not some man who just dreamed up some some false ideas. It's the enemy of our soul. It's Satan and demons. Who do you think is behind the porn industry and drug use and alcohol abuse that keep people imprisoned, shackled, and unable to see their need from Christ, and they're unable, unable to receive freedom. Who do you think is behind that? It's, it's the enemy. It's Satan. And it's demons. Who do you think is behind the unwillingness to forgive in a person's heart that leads to bondage in bitterness and hatred? When you feel that you should forgive and you say, but I don't want to. Who do you think is behind that? The voice that speaks in your ear and says, don't do that. It's not God. It's Satan and his demons. Who do you think is behind the rash of divorces and broken marriages within our society today? That destroys people's lives and hardens their hearts to anything good. Hardens their hearts to Christ because they've been hurt and damaged so severely. It's the enemy. It's Satan and his demons. Friends, let me tell you, bound lives are real. You don't have to be possessed. Bound lives, handcuffs from Satan are real. And bound lives are a tragedy. That's one of the things we see from this story. And that's not very good news, is it? You want to hear some good news? Want to hear some good news? Good. Thought maybe you didn't. Here's the good news. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came with the keys. He came with the keys to the handcuffs to set us free. Satan binds us and Jesus came to set mankind free. Scripture says that you and I have been created in God's image. He didn't say that about any of the rest of the creation. Didn't say it about any of the animals. He said we have been created in the image of God. And we are intended by God to be wonderful and beautiful creations with unlimited potential in Christ. That's how you were created. You know what? Do something. Because you don't believe this. I don't believe it a lot of times. Point to yourself. Ready? And say this. Say God created me. In His image, with unlimited potential. It's true. God created us in His image, with unlimited potential. In church, Jesus willingly breaks demonic bonds in people's lives so that they can reach the potential that God has destined them for in their lives. Look at our story. I think one of the most amazing things about the story is this next thing I'm, I'm going to say. This man... The guy living in the tombs who's cutting himself with rocks. And people can't even, can't even shackle him anymore because he's, this demonic strength is so strong. This man didn't run up to Jesus and beg for deliverance, did he? 
He begged, he said to Jesus, he didn't twist his arm, he says to Jesus, leave me alone. Right? But what's Jesus do? Jesus, always filled with love and compassion, sees beyond the filth, sees beyond the sin, sees beyond the outside, sees beyond the thing that everybody else saw, and he sees a man tragically bound. So he does what only he can do, and he sets the man free. And he simply tells the demons, come out. And they have to listen. Friends, notice from the story, men couldn't help this man. They had tried. They bound and they chained him, trying to help him. They probably used every method of, of their kind of level of, of psychology and, and help and medical treatments that they knew, but it was to no avail. But along comes a son of a carpenter, Jesus, the Son of God the creator and sustainer of life, and he just speaks to the demons, and he says, flee, and they flee. Friends, understand, the story shows us something, a truth that you need to understand today, and it's this, Jesus willingly breaks demonic bonds in people's lives. He willingly takes out the handcuff keys and unlocks the handcuffs that life has, has put in your life because of the, the junk of sin in the world. He willingly comes with the keys and He unlocks it and He sets us free. And this is what I believe. You know if there are strongholds in your life. You know it. If there are things in your life that bind you. You know if there's things that you say, I can go so far with God but no further. There's something that I just can't seem to overcome. You know if there's handcuffs in your spiritual life, strongholds. You know if sin or fear or guilt or unforgiveness or greed or some other thing is keeping you from experiencing the abundant life that Jesus intends for you to have. Friends, if that's the case, know for certain. That Jesus is willing and Jesus is able to break any strongholds. And all we need to do is to confess that area to Him. To turn away from it. Turn toward Jesus for help and say, Jesus, set me free. And He'll set you free like He did that man that day on the side of the sea who lived in the tombs. And I'll tell you, friends, this isn't just for someone the day they come to know Christ as Savior for salvation. Sometimes the church world's messed that up. They say, oh, that's just that for that time when I come to meet Christ and He broke all those. Now I'm going to tell you that's just not true. That throughout our lives, the Spirit of God reveals to us areas in our lives where we have yet to find freedom. They still come. And when we recognize those strongholds, that's the moment. That's the time to call out to Jesus for Him to come and to bring release and freedom into your life. It's a time to, to gather some friends and to say, I want you to pray with me. Let's ask Jesus to set me free. And that's the time that He'll, be, he'll set you free. And I want you to be assured of something today. That setting you free is easy for Jesus. It's easy. Say easy. It's easy for Jesus. Mark's Gospel has shown this, this great reality to us in the first five chapters. And how easy the supernatural is for Jesus because He is God. He speaks to a storm. We looked at it last week. Everybody's freaking. 
He's in the boat sleeping. They wake him up. And with no fear, he simply says, Peace, be still. And the storm stops. He comes up to sick people. And they're bound by by sickness and they they can't get better. And he just walks up to them and he, he just touches them. And he says, be healed. And they're healed. He's never upset. He's never frightened. He's never alarmed. And he walks into a situation like this and in a situation of our lives where there's bondage, where there's handcuffs. And he simply says, be free. And we find freedom in Christ. Friends, if he could handle all those other situations that we've been reading about in the Gospel of Mark, he surely can handle our strongholds without effort. And what you need to know today is that he is here for you today. He's here for your freedom. You need to know that today. I want to end our time today by looking at one more thing from this story. One more thing of Jesus' instructions to those whom he has set free. He says this, When I set you free, go and tell your story. Go and tell your story. Look at verse 19 with me. Actually starting in verse 18. It says that he was getting into the boat. And the man who had been demon possessed was imploring him or begging him that he might accompany him. He's saying, please let me come along. You've set me free. I want to walk with you. Verse 19, And he, Jesus, did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Look what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, okay, I set you free, now go and preach long sermons about it. That makes some of you happy, doesn't it? You say, oh no, God may call me to go stand in front of a crowd and talk. He never said that. He didn't tell you to do that. But he did tell you you've got to do something. He simply said to the man, and he says to every single one of us who have found freedom in Christ, go and tell what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. Go and tell. Go and tell what things God has done and how He's had mercy on you. And friends, this is what you and I are supposed to do when we find freedom. Tell others what Jesus has done for us. How He has set you free from bondage. How He has saved your marriage. How He's brought meaning into your life. How He has helped you to forgive somebody that was unforgivable in the flesh. How He's helped you to do it. Friends, you know what I found out about people? They don't really want to care. They don't really care about you telling them your church mission statement. They don't care about hearing about what what the doctrinal position your church holds on some particular issue. You know what they want to hear? They want to hear how real Jesus is in your life. So go and tell. This morning... Before church, someone walked up to me. And they said, Pastor, i got to tell you what happened to me this week. They said, I was sitting in my house, and I just had this, this impression, this, this came rifling into me that I was supposed to go to this neighbor and talk to them. And I knew it was the Lord, and I walked over and I talked to the person. I found out they were in all kinds of disarray and having problems, and, and was able to minister to that person. You know what you do? 
you go and tell. You say, you know what? God's helped me and He's helped you. He can help you also. You know what? It's right here. Each one, reach one. Each of us, reach somebody. You say, how do I do it? You simply go and you tell. You go and you tell them what God's done in your life. It says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Friends, God set you free for a purpose. Not so you can just come to church and dance. Although that's great. He set you free so you can bring others to freedom by telling them what God has done in your life. Realize this, friends. Your most powerful tool is your story. No one can dispute your story. No one can. They can dispute your theology. They can say they don't like your church. They can say your pastor doesn't make any sense. They can say they don't like your music. But they can't say they don't believe your story because it's your story. Tell your story of how Jesus has changed your life to the people who have yet to come to know Christ. Jesus said, I want to set you free. But I set you free for a reason. To go and to tell. Isn't it great to know that God desires for us to live in freedom? To know that He wants to use our story to help other people? Isn't that great to know? Friends, let's seek His freedom. And then let's go and tell our stories. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning?